All right, good evening. If you'll take your Bibles out, we're going to start in the Old Testament tonight in the book of Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 1, and, and we'll be starting in verse 23. Have you ever had someone tell you that you were unbalanced, mentally unbalanced? It's, it's not a compliment. If someone comes up and says, that guy's really imbalanced. Uh, he, he's that. We talked this morning about that spiritual balance. And tonight I wanted to present the, the other side of that, of that lesson, that while the Bible does call us to be balanced, the Bible also calls us very clearly to be imbalanced. Those two things may seem like they're mutually exclusive, but you'll see in Scripture tonight that they're not. When the world uses the word imbalanced, if you were to plug that into a thesaurus and, and, and see what words the, the world associates with unbalanced, it would sound like this. Absurd, daft, demented, disturbed, eccentric. Foolish, goofy, loony, nuts, nutty, odd, peculiar. Queer, ridiculous, strange, twisted, unconventional, and weird. Unbalanced. Yet in Scripture, there is a time to be unbalanced. In the law of Moses, the law of Moses had a great element of balance to it. Did you know that? There was an idea of legal balance in the old law. Exodus chapter 21. Verse 23 talks about two men who might be fighting and might accidentally hit a pregnant woman. Exodus chapter 21. Verse 22 says, if there's no harm, then there, there's a fine. Verse 23, but if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life. Now listen to this for balance. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Perfect balance. Whatever harm is caused, harm is done in return. If you turn forward in your Old Testaments, if you look in the book of Leviticus, once again in the book of Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 19, it talks about not just injuring a pregnant woman, but your neighbor. Leviticus chapter 24 and verse 19, if anyone injures his neighbor... As he has done, it shall be done to him. Whatever you do to that guy gets done back to you. Listen to this. Fracture for fracture. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Whatever you do to your neighbor gets done right back to you. It's very balanced. Very, very fair, isn't it? Look in Deuteronomy chapter 19. Turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 15. In this section, it's talking about false witnesses. If someone's stirring up trouble and they don't come with two witnesses, they just come with one and I want to I get you in trouble and I come and say, I, I saw him do this or I saw him do that. The Bible says if that man is found to be false, this is what you do to him. Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he's committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priest, and the judges who are in office in those days. The judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. Whatever he was trying to have done to you, gets done right back to him. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit any such evil among you. 
Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. Hand for hand. Foot for foot. Whatever that guy tried to do to you, you do right back to him. Whatever harm is done to that pregnant woman, you do right back to them. Whatever is done to the neighbor, you do right back to the one doing the harm. Balanced. And the world loves it. When Heather and I were over years ago on a, on a school uh, exchange program, and we were up in Ireland. And you know, in Ireland, the Catholics and the Protestants, which is more like two political parties in Ireland, but, but they love to kill each other. And the headline, we brought home a newspaper, and it says in a large banner headline, tit-for-tat killings. You kill a Catholic, we'll kill a Protestant. You kill two Catholics, we'll kill two Protestants. This is the way the world thinks. Right? Tit-for-tat. Whatever's done to one, do to the other. Pay it back. Whatever's done to me, I'll do to you. Whatever you do to me, I'll, be, I'll do back. Eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. The world loves this. And before you point just the finger at the uh, Irish Catholics and Protestants, you realize this is the basis for most of our movies. Most American movies are based on the bad guy getting what he deserves. And we applaud and laugh and cheer because the bad guy got what he had coming. Whether we admit it or not, we like the concept of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth as long as what? As long as it doesn't apply to us. As long as we're talking about some other guy's eye or some other guy's tooth. We want revenge. We want balance. But when it applies to us, no thank you. The idea of tit for tat, the idea of revenge is ingrained in our history and our culture. But I want to ask you tonight, is it ingrained in our Christianity? I want to talk to you tonight for just a few moments about the imbalance of God and his people. First of all, among his people. We talked about we like this idea of someone getting what they deserved. Jesus came and in the world he said, you've heard it said. Something they were very used to, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This was common to them, it was in the law three times. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Yes, of course we've heard it. Jesus said, you've heard it said. But I say to you, it wasn't just a little change. It was a radical departure from what they had grown up with. And sometimes as Christians, we want to say, well, okay, I'm not a Christian, now I'm a Christian. I want to veer about 20 degrees right. Jesus didn't call us to veer 20 degrees right. He called us to a radical change in the way we treat each other. We're going to look at that in Scripture tonight. Look in Matthew chapter 5. All that balance in the Old Testament. What did Jesus do with it? Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who's evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father 
is perfect. Jesus is going to take four categories. Violence, theft, manipulation, and what I would call mooching. For lack of a better word, mooching or using or, or dependency on someone. Violence, theft, manipulation, and mooching. And he says, you've heard it one way, and I'm telling you another way. Well, what about violence? What, what if someone is violent toward me? Turn the other cheek. Don't return violence for violence. Well, what about theft? What, what if someone takes from me? Don't demand it back. What about manipulation? What if someone makes me, what if someone forces me to do something? Go with them another mile. Well, well what if someone begs for me? What if they take money from me? Don't demand it back. Don't refuse to loan. We read those things and we say, no, I don't, I don't like that much at all. That doesn't fit with my worldview much at all. I, I don't like that. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't, I, I don't want to put that into, into play. And that's, that's too different. That's too much. Do you remember how we said we're okay with eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth as long as it doesn't apply to us? Well, the same thing applies here. We say, well, this is too hard except when I need this to happen. Because in the, in the matter of violence, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. What, what kind of violence did we do toward God? So we kill his son and we're okay with, with death in return? Are we okay with God returning the violence that we visited upon him? No. We want him to turn the other cheek. God, you turn the other cheek. We killed your son, but you turn the other cheek. What about the theft? We say, no, if someone, if someone takes from me, I, I want to I get my stuff back. I want to sue them. And, and the Bible says, no, give them your cloak as well. You know, in the Old Testament, the Bible asks, will a man rob God? What is the answer to that question? Yes. Yes, we do it often. We take God's blessings and we use them on our own passions. We, we take things that could be used to help other people and we use them to live luxuriously on this earth. We, we do things sometimes and, and, and we keep things for ourselves that we ought to be able be willing to offer back to God. But we still want him to bless us the next morning. We don't want him to remove our jobs from us. We don't want him to drain our bank accounts. We don't want him to take away our checkbooks and our credit cards. We, we want to be able to rob him and still have him bless us. What about the using? What about if a, a man forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles? Well, Lord, I don't, I don't like that. That doesn't sound good. That sounds too difficult. Well, imagine when it's from our perspective. We say, God, we need you to forgive us. We need you to forgive our sins. Otherwise, we're going to go to hell. And so he forgives our sins. And then we say, that's wonderful. And now, uh, now I've sinned again. And we even have a name for it. We, we call it God's second law of pardon. God says, I'll go with you one mile. And we say, excuse me, can you go with me two? And three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We like that God treats us this way, don't we? We need for God to treat us this way. What, what about the using? We have this idea of give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you, even the one who can't pay you back. What did we need from God? We needed the blood of his son. We sing the song, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Have you and God worked out some kind of a deal by which you're going to pay him back sometime soon? No, but if, but if I loan to somebody, I, they need to... They need, Pay me back. <laughs> but I can't pay God back. Do you see what I'm, what I'm getting at? Is in all of these things, we need these things from God. We depend on these things from God. And God says, great, be like your father. When anyone treats you like this, you treat them like God treats you. It's exactly what this says. You treat them like God treats you. But, but Lord, it's not fair. It's not balanced. 
Yes. And what's your point? The imbalance of God. Enemies get love. Persecutors get prayer. And he says, because God is like that. God sends his son on the evil. His son rises on the evil. He sends rain for the unjust. What would be balanced? What would be fair? Well, you good people get the sun. You bad people, you sit over there in the dark. You good people get rain. You bad people sit in there in the the drought. That would be fair, but our God is an imbalanced God who loves even his enemies, who sends rain on the just and the unjust. And then at the end of that chapter, it even shows us, but look, you've got to get this right because the world doesn't do this at all. The world is imbalanced. Who does the world love? The world loves those who love them. You love me, I love you. Balance. You treat me right, I treat you right. Balance. You greet me, I greet you. Balance. And in that balance and how people treat each other, Jesus says, that's how the world does it. The world is balanced in love and greetings and treatment. But your father's not. Your father's good to bad people. Your father is patient. And, and we are those people. And every one of us in here tonight knows that it's true that God has not treated us as we deserve. What about our balance between man and God? Do you outgive God? Do you and God have an agreement? Does he give you as much as you give him? Is he as faithful toward you as you are toward him? Does he bless you as much as you bless him? Do you do the works of God as much as he works for you? We're all out of balance, aren't we? He carries the weight. He carries us. He does the things out of great balance with us. And you think about the people that he used in the Bible. And and he didn't say, Paul, Paul, you're such a good man. I want to use you. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm the persecutor. What about Peter? Peter, oh, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know him. I've never been with him. Peter, will you preach for me on the day of Pentecost? It's not fair. It's not balanced. It's God. In Psalm 103, and verse 10. This is nothing new to the, to the New Testament. This is God all along. In Psalm 103 and verse 10. The Bible says he does not deal with us according to our sins. Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Why does he treat us with such imbalance? Why doesn't he say fair is fair, you got what you deserved? Why doesn't he say I have to be a just God and pay you as you have earned? Verse 13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we're dust. He understands that we can't be in balance with him, that we can't do for him what he does for us. He knows that we're children. On the day of judgment, no one is going to want what they deserve. Nobody's going to stand at judgment and say, pay me what I deserve. Lay it on me. Balance the scales for me. Nobody's going to want justice for themselves. We will all be dependent on the imbalance of God. We sing a song, grace greater than all our sin. Put all of our sin on one side. And we want imbalance. We want grace to tip the scales. We want God to be willing to forgive us. 
When we go to the Gospels, have you ever thought about the fact as you read through the Gospels that the most important moment in human history takes up about a page and a half in each of the Gospels? Just flip, flip, and it's over. Crucifixion is done and gone. That great sacrifice of God takes just a moment. And you think if men were to write some great epic, that they would write about this and they would stretch it over many, many books. But in the Bible, it's just a couple of pages. But everything in the Bible leads up to it. And everything after the crucifixion looks back to it. When we see Jesus hanging on the cross in that important moment for mankind, in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34... As Jesus hangs there on the cross. As he has the option to say, Lord, give them what they deserve. Father, pay them back for what they've done for me. Father, give them the violence, the theft, the manipulation, and the debt. Give them what they deserve. Instead, in verse 34, we see Jesus hanging on the cross. And he says, Father, you know, don't you? Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Father, be imbalanced toward them. Father, let it go. Wash it away. Put it in the past. They don't know what they're doing. We don't deserve that. You know what the amazing thing about the gospel is? Forgiveness is not just for our ignorance. The Bible even teaches, Father, forgive them even when they know exactly what they've done. We can still come back. We can still come back for that second mile and that third mile and he'll walk with us. We can be forgiven of the injustice and the the unmerciful feelings and the thoughts and all of the things that we've done, the violence against others, the manipulation, the mooching, the using, the ungratefulness, all of those things. We can come back to him and he says, yes, I'd love to forgive you. Because more than anything else, he wants us to come home. What's balanced about that? He ought to shut us out and lock the door and throw away the key and tell us to fend for ourselves. But instead he says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it weren't weren't so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again so that where I am, you may be also. These words of invitation and welcome, we don't deserve. So live a balanced life at the exact same time you live an unbalanced life. Be like God in both. Would you be willing to take God up on his offer, on his invitation for an unbalanced salvation? If you're out there thinking, well, I've got to to work this off first. I've got to get some things straight. I've got to to work some things out first. I've got to balance the scales. I've got to be a good enough person. You don't have enough to put on that scale. It's always going to be an imbalanced salvation. We come as beggars. And we leave as children of the king. It's great news. We offer that invitation tonight. If you need to become a child of God. If you've heard the word of God and you believe that Jesus is the son of God. If you're willing to repent of your sins and confess his name. If you're willing to die in the waters of baptism and be buried in the likeness of his death. So that you can be raised in the likeness of his resurrection. If you're ready to appeal to a God who loves you enough to treat you not as you deserve, to wash away every sin, to add you to his family, and to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, it's the best deal.
that God could offer you. If you need to respond to his invitation, please come while we stand and sing.